note sheet. All right, so we'll get started. Um, this is what I'm calling More Than Tolerating, United Generations to Serve. Uh, my name is Megan Boyle. I am a lots of things pastor in Fremont, Ohio. Um, yeah, I guess technically we call it the associate pastor at this point because it's just a lot of things. But um, in Fremont, Ohio, um, at a church called Journey Church, and I also serve as the Ohio Kidman Leader Development Director. And so I have that opportunity to work closely with a lot of the things that happen throughout Ohio Kidman. And so just a great opportunity, and I'm thankful for that. So today, I'm just glad she has a mask on so I can't see her face. Um, this, in all honesty, that is an example of uniting generations to serve. So, um, yeah. Yes, yes. So let's pray together, and then I've got just a few questions for you, a story for you, and then lots of fun things that we'll discover together, okay? There are note sheets at the back. Um, if anybody didn't get one on the chair, you can grab that as well. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome to speak to us. You're welcome to, challenging, to challenge us. You are welcome to draw us to yourself and just reveal the truth that we need to hear today. Uh, beyond words that can fill a session, let it be what every person in this room, and maybe if they're listening to a recording later, needs to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, okay, so when we talk about uniting the generations to serve, we're talking about generations of people, right? So that's, uh, I wanna, that's a given for me, but I want to make sure that you understand that as well. So we're talking about different ages and different stages of life and uniting those together. So my question for you is, where do you feel like your biggest gap is right now? Like, is there a segment of people that is missing in the ministry that you lead or the part that you are just, you know, you're just a volunteer, although there aren't just volunteers. Um, you're a volunteer in those kinds of things. Where, where's the biggest gap that you feel? What's the age group that's missing? 65 up. It's fighting. We have some. Some? But I want to involve them more because of their wisdom in that. Mm -hmm. Wisdom. Yes. Now's probably uh, young adult. Mm. Okay. Yes, the young adults. Young adults. Yeah. <clears throat> young adults. Young adults. Out of high school, early 20s. Okay. Yeah, that kind of area. Mid 20s, mid 30s. Mid 20s, mid 30s. Are there any other obvious gaps that you feel like you sense in where the teams that you serve in? All right, so we had, we've got those that are much retired and we've got kind of this chunk, because many of you said that chunk of, of people that is that young adult, that, that maybe career age person. Um, and so that can create an interesting thing because those are often the, the people that have children then right, in children's ministries. Um, what is the age group, just out of curiosity, what is the age group in your ministries or the team that you serve in, what, what's the age group that serves the most then? Ballpark. Um, of, of the leaders. What, like, of your leaders, your age, which is what? 
in the 30s. Okay. Okay. Gosh, what's that yeah. Is that true for you? Is that is that that age group that tends to be the the most um, what well, you know what technically would be called middle age, like maybe 30 to 45? Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> So I know that a lot of people in a lot of our churches, there are a lot of churches now that will, by mission and purpose and value, they will say, we're a young adult church, or we're a young church for young people, you know, or, and then we also have churches where they'll say, I haven't seen somebody that's young forever, you know, and ours is an older church and ours, you know, we've got this children's ministry and all these things, but we're just kind of like this elderly church and we're not sure where the next generation is and they're missing. So I serve in an interesting context um, because my church really does reflect what I feel like every generation. And so that has become an incredible blessing and an incredible difficulty at the same time. So on record, not saying that they come every Sunday, we have about 200 0 to 11 year olds. We have about 135 12 to 18 year olds. Um, 88 to 26 to 35 year olds, 180, 36 to 50 year olds, 148, 51 to 64, and about 88 or so, 65. Now, again, those people don't come on Sunday mornings, but that's like our database numbers, stats of where they sit, you know, time frames or ages and things like that. And so what that creates for us is this incredible thing of like, we've got people serving in our kids' ministry that are one of the 83, 88, 65 plusers that sit with the 135, 12 to 18 year olds. And that's a big difference. There are, there's a big difference between them. And that has created this, this opportunity for me to learn as the leader. So the church that I've, that I'm on staff at, um, I've been there about five years. And when I came on staff there, there was a huge gap in understanding and what happened within the first two months of me being on staff there was there was a, a group of people probably in their 60s or in their 70s that made my life difficult because I appear younger than I actually am. And so they made my life very difficult. And so one by one, I made the decision, I'm going to start getting these people on my team. I'm going to get these people to see what I'm telling them and for them to understand. So we started going to coffee and I don't drink coffee, but having hot chocolate and spending time with them. There was one lady, we sit down and she says to me, I said to my husband before we got here, I don't know why I'm doing this. It's just this young girl and she's probably got nothing important to say and nothing of value. She tells me this flat out to my face. And I said, well, okay. And then I started into this conversation about what do you think about the other pastors that are on staff? What are, you know, because honestly I was older than them, but she just didn't know it. And I started having this conversation with her of what would happen if the strengths of your generation could be the parts that fill in the gaps for the weaknesses of my generation? So what would happen if you and I worked together instead of having this conversation that we're having right now. And then she said, well, I don't really understand you because you're a millennial. And I said, what do you want to know? And she said, well, you know, you're selfish. And I said, well, okay. 
I said, but here's what I see about your generation is that you don't give me a chance. And she was like, oh, okay. And so this conversation went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And by the end, there was an agreement that we came to and she said, I guess I was wrong. And I said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to help me to help all the people that have the same wrong notion to have this kind of conversation that we just had. And she's like, I guess we could do that. I guess we could do that. And I'm telling you, there was an almost immediate shift because she was part of a tribe that every single evening they would sit on the phone or they would, and they would talk to each other. And she said right before we left, I'm going to tell my husband that I was wrong. This was valuable. Thank you for taking the time to walk with these things, through these things with me. And I was just like, wow, that's a lot. But that was really powerful. So then it launched me into this thing of, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need to know the conversations about what generations are in order to help bridge these gaps. So today we're gonna, I'm gonna tell you some of the research that I have found. I am not the professional on this. There are people that study this every day of their life for all of their lives. There are people that know a lot more, but I'm gonna tell you how it has functioned for me within the context of the local church. And you can be able to look at these things and be able to take it back to where you are at as well. It's gonna take time, a lot of time. It's gonna be unconventional in a lot of ways, but um, one thing that we do know is that we can unite under the banner of helping people to know Jesus. So why do more than tolerate? And I've got uh, little tiny, tiny words here. So I'm going to tell you what they are, and they're also on your, your um, sheet there if you want to take notes. So why do more than tolerate? And it, it's because God's word has a lot to say about this. So in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, we find this. It says, Therefore, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves unified in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Psalm 22 tells us in, in verse 30 through 31, our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those who, do not yet, or those who are not yet born. They will hear everything he has done. Psalm 71, 18, now I'm old and gray, don't abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Psalm 45, 17, I will bring honor to your name in every generation. And John 17, 23, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Have you ever done the experiment or you know what happens when you mix oil and water together, right? They separate. They separate almost always unless if there is another chemical reaction that happens to them. Do you know what that chemical reaction is? Shaking, but it will still separate. If you add dish soap to oil and water, there is a chemical reaction that happens that actually binds those two units together. And when they're bound together, Unless if you do another chemical reaction, you can't get them to come apart. So if I had a container of oil and water and I were to shake it and put dish soap inside, those two things are going to, they're going to completely be blended together. So I have put a challenge out to my people in my church community. We are going to be the blended of these things. 
So here's the highlights of the living generations that we currently have, all right? Just kidding. It, that slide disappeared, so here we are. We're gonna do this old school way, okay? <laughs> all right, we'll roll with it. On your paper, though, you do have a spot and you can be able to write stats on those as well, all right? So here's where we are. Gener Generation Alpha is what we currently have. So children, zero to nine, they're, gonna ca they're calling them Generation Alpha. They're, call they're calling them that in a few minutes you will hear because there's a lot of traits that Generation Alpha are taking from our baby boomers and the, what they call the silent or the forgotten generation. Generational patterns repeat, okay? So generational patterns repeat, and there's a whole other thing on that that we can go through. But uh, so we have Generation Alpha. It is projected at this point that this generation will live longer than any other generation, minus the Lord coming back, um, because of med medical interventions that they have, but they will also experience more medical issues than any other generation because of the way that they live their lives currently. We don't, they're not as active, job sitting, things like that. All of the, the careers, a lot of the careers that are coming for Generation Alpha as they age up will be um, not things that, where they're physically moving as much. So on one hand, we have this tension of this incredible opportunity for them to be alive for a lot longer, but then we also have this opportunity for them to experience more pain in the process. So these are the kids that are currently in our kids' ministry. There's a lot that is not yet known, and now they're saying even, you know, this is recent because they are the generation that has now experienced COVID and what a pandemic feels like, that they are saying that, they will repeat some of the patterns that the generation that came out of the Spanish flu experienced. And so some of those things will be um, kind of a scarcity mindset, kind of like an apprehension to do things. So that projects for us an interesting scenario when we talk about ministering to them, because there's going to be things that generations before would have just run and boom, done, and they might be a little bit more... Um, unwilling. So we have Generation Alpha, and then we have Gen Z. They're also called iGen or Centennials. They were born 1996 through um, basically to be announced is what they call them, but uh, Gen Z, there's 1.8 billion Gen Zers living on the earth, and only about 18% of them live in a rural area. That's mind-blowing. So only 18% live in a rural area, 1.8 of them. Millennials are Generation Y, Born, some people say 1977. More, more commonly, you hear 1983 or 1984 through 95. Baby boomers, 1946 to 1977. And then there's like a sub-generation that they're saying is in between those. And then traditionalist or the silent generation, born 1945 and before. These are the ones that are, are dying at a faster rate because obviously they've now aged to a certain point. As of September 11th, the most significant event of the millennial generation um, was 9-11, obviously. And so some of the sociologists that study these generational things say that that's actually when they would consider Gen Z to have started because of the, the amount of difference in life that that has created. And so we also look at that because for some of us in the room, we can remember what life was like before 9-11. Some of you can probably remember what ministry was like before 9-11 and the way that the world has shifted and changed. And so that makes a lot of sense when we're talking about that. 
So here's some, th that's just like who these people are, but let's talk about what they do. So traditionalists, so the ones that were born 1945 and before, they generally had a long tenure at a single job. They prided themselves as long-term employees. Okay, so that generation, those, they prided themselves as these long-term employees. Respect is a value that they held fast and they continue to hold fast. So if you know anybody that's in that generation, respect is like a core value, they say, of that generation. And they respect and they value using them as a resource when you have questions or problems. So they talk about the silent generation, the traditionalists are people that value respect and they want to be heard, all right? So in just a few minutes, this is going to make a lot of sense because if they want to be heard and respected, then how do we utilize them in ministry and just uniting each other? Boomers, beyond the jokes that, you know, right now generations kind of take these jabs at each other. So they'll be like, okay, boomer, I don't know if you've heard this or not, um, but specifically millennials, and they'll go, okay, millennial, and then Gen Z, and now there's a whole thing. Gen Z is going up against a millennial of like, you wear skinny pants and you shouldn't and all these other things and just, just all this nonsense, right? But here's the thing. When you look at what happens in a, um, a social trend, which is really what those things are, you actually can hear that there's an attempt at connection being made. That's actually what is, is going on. And so anytime we experience these things in our churches even, okay, boomer, they actually want the attention of that person. I know sometimes it's just genuinely being rude or joking or whatever, but there, there is an attempt at connection there. So a boomer, they have experienced a time of economic prosperity and positive change in the world during their formative years, all right? It gives them this optimism towards the world um, and a willingness to work hard. That would be their core value word, working hard. They drive for success, they rise to a call me anytime mentality, and they appreciate when they are sought out for advice because they want to be used as a sounding board. It's basically the other way of saying respect of the other generation, right? It just looks slightly different. The boomers feel rewarded by money, recognition, and awards for their hard work and long hours. So if boomers feel appreciated for hard work and that's their core value, and the way that they feel that is an award or through seeking this recognition, what does that look like for ministry? Think about that. Gen Z raised during a time of change, and it negatively impact their family. Gen Z is the highest living generation right now of divorce rates and of dual working parents. That was the generation where that shift happened, where basically moms didn't, or dads, whoever, didn't stay home, so it wasn't that, and it's also the highest rate of the first experiences of divided households, okay? So that has changed a lot of the way that they see the world, and it has also created, they, sociologists say that Gen Z, or that Generation X is the, did I say Gen Z before? Sorry, Gen X, Gen X, I'm sorry, I'm backtracking, Gen X, um, that they like to talk in these short sound bites, direct and upfront, because they are the most critical living generation that we have right now. Because cynicism has taught them that their families are gonna be divided, that the world is gonna change. And that's, I mean, that's true of the historical events that they've lived through 
and the way that the world has beco had become this rapid like fire environment, okay? So Gen X, that's, that's how that is. They, their core word would be balance. Their core word is balance. They want to achieve balance. Unlike baby boomers, they only want to be called for work issues during work hours, and there's been a shift that has taken place where a, a, a boomer, the generation before them, would say, I'm going to get the job done, and I'm going to do it right, and we're going to stay until we have to because I'm going to do this, and I'm hardworking. Gen X is like, we're going to work hard when it's time to work hard, and then I'm going to go because, again, there's a piece that has shifted to a critical way of seeing the world. Sociologists tell us that millennials tend to be idealistic and they require prompt feedback and meaningful interactions. That's what we hear about millennials. Millennials are vast departures from previous generations and that has caused some misunderstandings, right? You probably know that to be the case. There have been misunderstandings that have happened because the differences have been so vast because there have been three generations where they have lived and now all of a sudden something's completely different, which has caused some people to go, <gasps> why are they doing that? And then an, an idealistic individualist generation goes, oh, we got attention for that. Let's keep doing that. Uh, millennial has uh, digital access at any time. They prefer to work in teams. They have a great sense of expectation for themselves and for the teams that they work on. That's their working method. And it is currently the largest percentage in our workforce. So right now, boomers are retiring. In theory, they're retiring. And millennials are the highest workforce right now. The oldest, the oldest millennial is between 38 and 40 years old, depending on the year that has started. This is also an interesting mindset because in some of my conversations that I told you about at the beginning, there was things like, well, you're a millennial, so you're just young. And I would say, do you know the oldest person that's like in this generation is not young anymore? Like 35 is not that young. Like it is young, but it's not that young, you know? And it was like, oh, so I am like mistyping this, this person because I just want to put a label on it. Yes, now we're getting somewhere, right? All right, and then just a few things about Gen Z. Gen Z, right now, they are studying them the most because it's the, the age group that is between 9 and uh, 18 or so. Um, most of these, these guys, obviously, their parents are, are millennials. And so the millennials that are a different generation that was raised by a Gen X environment now everything is different. So you take the traits of the Gen X, the critical, you take the idealistic generation of millennial, and then you put it into a Gen Z kid. Here we go. Whoop. So it creates this other interesting um, thought patterns. It creates uh, some different ways of working and living and studying. They're obviously the most te technically savvy generation. They're the most racially and ethnically diverse generation. Most prefer, this is interesting, to communicate face-to-face because most of their lives are tech-based, which we think is actually opposite. When you hear about Gen Z, you go, oh, well, they're on TikTok and they're on this, but there's so much on their devices that statistics are teaching us that they actually prefer face-to-face -face interactions. Now, to have a face-to-face -face interaction, you have to reach them digitally first to have that conversation, 
But once that's over, oh, okay, then they, they don't mind coming together in that way. They've experienced the financial difficulties of their millennial parents, and they experienced the economic crises of the, the late 2000s when they were younger. And so the, the Gen Z generation, more than any other generation right now, craves financial security. They crave the understanding because they saw what happened before, and that was in a tech-savvy world, so they know all the details. And they know all the Google and the, hey, Siri, which hopefully my phone doesn't respond right now. Um, so this is, there's, a, there's a sociologist, her name's Amy Lynch and, she, Lynch, and she literally does research just on Gen Z right now. She says this, if we look at history, we find that generations actually cycle each other. For example, an intensely passionate generation is always followed by a cynical one. And a cynical generation is always followed by a practical fix-it generation, and so on and so forth. The latest example of this cycle, passionate boomers, skeptical Gen X, and practical millennials. And now, ta-da, grounded, pragmatic Gen Z, a predictable throwback to the silent generation. Gen Z and silence appear to be different, but if we drill past the surface, similarities emerge. Similarities like they like to play it safe when making decisions because they've seen all the chaos around their world, so they would rather have a good decision. Gen Z's value creating silent, um, this modern system and inventions. So the silent generation, they're the ones that came out of the depression. They're the ones that started the, the you know, there's like revolution and, and businesses and patents and all those things. Well, that, what you're finding to be the case is that our Gen Z kit, our Gen X kids, our Gen Z's, our Gen Z, I'm, all the letters start, are obviously messing with my brain. The Z's right now, the Z's, the Z's are the ones that are creating the things that are um, being patented. So there are children and youth that are filing for patents at this point. So you can study. It's very interesting if you Google that, just that piece of information, how many patents are being submitted by those that are under 21. It's amazing because they're coming up with solutions for these things. Okay. So I know that's a lot of information, right? And it's a lot of information because we look at it and go, okay, how do I grab all of these pieces and go, that's that person and that's that person and that's this and that's that. Uh, if you look at your, your note sheet, I put a chart there for communication. One of the things that has helped me so much in this conversation and has helped me even outside of the conversation of my own teams, just ministering and helping people in general, is looking at these communication trends and being able to say, oh, it makes sense to me now. For instance, I have a lady that serves on my nursery team that is 72 years old, committed, committed to doing everything that she, that she does. She shows up on time, she gets on the floor with the kids, she does all of the things. But I can't send her an email. I can't even text her. I have to call her up and say, hey, Chris, did you remember that you're on the nursery schedule next week? Oh yeah, I got that. It's written on my paper calendar on my refrigerator. And so I could be annoyed by that. And sometimes, full disclosure, I am. Because I have 60 people on my kids' team. You know, like I look at that and I'm like, I don't have the time or the equity to do that. But it matters so much to her. Because I have this taking this opportunity to say, well, this is the way I communicate. And so, and sometimes on Sundays, like she'll bring me my phone, her phone, and be like, so I'm gonna try this planning center thing. Which button do I push, right? So we have these conversations now that I'm, I'm starting to be able to teach her how to use Planning Center, but it took me calling 
It took me literally mailing her a paper schedule. You know, things that people don't do anymore. Mailing her a paper schedule, and I would even highlight her name, you know? And that is a difference of generation. My teenagers, I have a lot of teenagers that serve in my kids' ministry, and they're like lead teachers in our preschool area specifically, and the adults serve with them. The adults are like the token adults in the room. Well, those guys, two in particular that I can think of, I don't communicate in any other way other than DMing them on Instagram. And it's like, this is weird. This is weird. But I will send them a DM and say, check your services app for, you know, the schedule. And they'll go on and immediately I get a confirmation from Planning Center. Boom, like that fast. They don't even respond to my DM, but they'll do that. I can't even text them because they don't answer text messages. There's somebody in this room that I know that doesn't answer text messages either, Lexi. But... But it's the way that they communicate, right? And so this can be exhausting or this can be an opportunity. It can be a burden or it can be an opportunity. And so using this chart, this has helped me so much to be able to look. So baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, communication, face-to-face, Gen X, I am me, because that was the generation kind of where that started, you know, kind of loosely. Or send me an email, because I don't have time for it, because I'm doing all the things, right? Millennials, just text me. Just send it to me. Um, you just do you. Okay, it's not until next. Um, you'll see it there. Your attitude, loyal to my job. I live to work. Play, then work. I worked with this woman. At, uh, I was bivocational in ministry for about seven years, and I worked with this woman, and she was um, a boomer, and she was so loyal to her job that whenever I was good at using the computer program that we were using, that she was angry with me because it makes me look like I'm not good at my job. I said, I'm just of the generation that's good at computers. And so it was a conversation of like, we're not against each other. We're actually doing the same things right now, but we just are different, right? So all of these things, this communication chart, once you start to pick up these traits and these things, once you can, I would challenge you, we're going to challenge you in just a minute, um, to make a list of all of those that are in your church community. The ones that maybe you serve with, if you're a leader that's like in charge of all of them, make a list of who they are and where they sit in which generation. And then make a plan. I'm going to need to call them. I'm going to need to text them. I'm going to need to do this. I'm going to need to do that. Because those are the things that will allow you to be united, that will allow you to work together. All right? Is everybody with me still? Awesome. Okay. Here's something else that has helped me. In this process of learning all this, I'm like, that's a lot of data. That's a lot about all these generations. How do I practically do this? And I felt so clearly the Holy Spirit say, use your senses. And I was like, my senses? Like, spider sense? You know, like, but no. So the practice of this is use your senses. So we're going to do that right now. On, on your paper, there's some note spots. How can you use hearing to unite the generations? Seems a little bit weird, right? But you think about it, this is how we hear information. This is how the information comes to us if it's not just visual. So consider, under hearing, consider the age or the category that an individual is under. 
this will be the framework for reaching out to them. So consider how, yep, I'll just move out of the way so they can see it. What does that person need to hear from you? What do they need to hear? If they are part of the generation that values hard work and they are part of the generation, which is boomers, that value opinions as a sounding board, what do they need to hear? They need to hear, what do you think about this? What do you think we should do? If you talk to somebody who's in Gen Z who is all the time thinking of new ideas, what do you think we should do with this? And they might give you the answer to the question that you are seeking. I know the print's small, sorry. So how can you use hearing? You can ask them, what does that person need to hear? What do you need to say? Maybe if you communicated differently or chose to do that, they would hear things a little bit differently. Perhaps if you were to request that they do something or a specific thing, remember this, a Gen X person, they're of a critical generation. So they might automatically be like, well, what do you want from me? I'm like, I genuinely just want X, Y, Z, you know? Well, what do you want from me? What's the real motive of your heart? I've had this conversation as well. I, don't, I literally don't want anything from you other than I need you to serve as the helper in, we call it Journey Kids Junior, in Journey Kids Junior this Sunday. Well, what do you want from me? I'm like, that's what I want. I want you to be the helper. What do you want? I'm like, okay, you're wearing me down, but that's really all I want, you know? And that unites us. And, and it's also a checkmate in your heart because it is very easy to just tolerate people and to tolerate the, the place in history where God has put them and be able to say, okay, I guess I'll pick up the phone or I guess I'll send you this or I guess I'll do that. But it's a shift of looking at what can we do beyond tolerating. All right, so taste, appreciation, meetings, that kind of thing. When you have these generations or these, these groups of people, so I know that for baby boomers, they appreciate face-to-face -face communication. So you know what I do? I take them to a coffee shop because they can taste the coffee. They can taste the donut. They can do these things that are, are tangible to them. They can experience that. What else about taste? I know it, um, volunteer meetings, appreciation. There is, uh, like we said before, earlier on when I was talking about generations, tokens of appreciation are really big for um, Gen X, okay? So tokens of appreciation. So what are they gonna taste? I'm gonna give you my best at a meeting. I'm gonna give you something that you actually would enjoy. We're gonna do this and we're gonna communicate that way. Smell is the next one. Have you ever been somewhere and you're like, this smells like somewhere I've been before, right? That spans every generation. It doesn't matter which generation you sit in. Smell, we use our senses and we experience things. So what if the kids that we are ministering to, the, the alpha kids, the, the students that are helping us, the Zs, the millennials, if they share a common experience under smell, it's going to be uniting for them. I know, it might seem weird, but I've seen this play out. One time we were doing something on a Sunday and we decided to pop a bunch of popcorn in the lobby because we wanted people to be able to leave that environment and go, oh, that smelled really good. I remember that meeting that we had. I remember that time that we had together. So what happens there? We use something simple 
something obviously that they can taste, but that they can smell in order to unite them together and be able to, to work together in that way. Think of your spaces in your churches. Some aesthetics are going to matter to some generations more than others. Specifically, the, the Gen Z, the alpha kids, the aesthetics of a place are going to matter more. Millennials tend to be the ones that, that's the reason they take flack because, oh, hipster, right? All these things, hipster, coffee, cute, you know, all these. They take flack for that as a generation. But really, what if we were able to allow them to experience and use that experience that they already have ingrained in them to be able to reach other people that are like them and be able to say, you know what? I'm not good at this, but would you help me? Would you be able to take control, take charge of this opportunity? You know, maybe they're the person that creates the experience for the, the leader meeting that you have. Or maybe they're the person that does that. So we are taking them from being these isolated units and giving them purpose. We're not just creating jobs for them, but we're giving them something that they already are. They don't have to manufacture it. Sight, what does that person need? Do they need to be face-to-face -to, -face to communicate? What else do they need? Does a person need to see something in print, such as an email or a text message? Does that person need to see something? Um, do they need to be able to read a book to understand it? Do they need to be able to read an article? Because there are some that, depending on which generation you fall in, they, that's what they did for fun, right? So that's what they did before all the media was available. And that's why you can sit down with them and be like, I had, used to have this TV when TVs were like first, you know, and it blows a younger person's mind, right? They're like, your, your internet made this noise, you know, like dial up internet. That's mind blowing to a child. It is. And so being able to say, what is it they see? Tell the stories, painting the picture of what they see. How do we see these things happening in a tangible physical sense? And touch, what is the felt experience as a volunteer or a leader within your ministry? What is the tangible experience going to be? Experiences, are they meant to be felt? Because for some, depending on which generation you're trying to maybe reach, maybe if we say that the generation that's missing the most is the young adult generation, what, what does it look like for them to touch and be able to feel and experience kids' ministry, specifically in this context? What, is it, what, what can we do with that? Boomers, here's an example. Boomers are, are known for hobbies. But statistically, we are learning more and more that Gen Z wants to have hobbies because there's a shift back to, I want to be able to do something outside of work. Guess what? A Gen Zer is not going to know how to do something that a boomer is going to know how to do unless if someone teaches somebody. Right. And yes, they can go to Google, but even still, there is that case. There is a YouTube channel, and I'm pretty sure he calls himself the dad videos, and there's a, yeah, there's, so there's a guy that does all of these things that kids are not taught, or if they don't have parents in their lives. This is how you unplug a drain. This is how you t t put a tire on, those kinds of things. What if in our kids' ministries or in our ministry opportunities, these opportunities were touched and felt and seen together? Would it not unify them? When it comes down to it, we have an opportunity to steward what the Lord has already given us. And we have an opportunity to look at where our gaps are and say, what can I do? How can I be the person that builds the bridges? So all of this information, 
If you try to implement it, you're going to be frustrated and you're probably going to fail. Let's just, I'm just going to be real with you. But if you were to look at this stuff and say, what's one part that I can do? If I'm missing the young adults in my ministry opportunity, how can I go after them? What can I learn about them in order to build this bridge? What can I learn about the ones that are over 65 that, of course, they're not going to respond to an email because they don't even know how to get into their email most of the time. You know, so obviously they're not going to want to be part of what I'm doing because they don't even know I'm trying to communicate with them. Maybe you just are like in a place where, like I was, the situation was, I've got to do something and I don't know what to do. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you. You can look at these notes and go, what's the one piece that I can do? And it's going to take time. Over the next six months, I'm going to intentionally target the people that I've maybe kind of put on the outskirts of my, leader, of my leadership team. And I didn't do it on purpose. They just kind of fell to the outskirts because my primary way of communicating is through text and things because I'm a millennial and that's, all, that's common for me. But for me to pick up the phone, I don't want to do that doesn't fit in my time schedule. But what is it the Holy Spirit could have you to do that you could cause those things to come together? Maybe for you, when you leave this place, you make a list of every person that you know that's serving. And you, you identify where they fall, what a method of communication would be. Maybe you get to identify in them how you can best build that bridge, whether it's sight or hearing or taste or one of those things and be able to, to unite them together. This is what um, Mark Ketterling says in this book. This book just came out, and it's so good. So I would encourage you to get it. It's called The, the Speed of Unity. Rob Ketter, Kettering, Ketterling, Ketterling, Ketterling. <laughs> yeah, he pastors a large church in Minnesota, but this is what he says. At the speed of agreement, leaders are looking for compliance with the stated expectations. At the speed of vision, Leaders build a team that is dedicated to fulfilling a bold mission. At the speed of unity, leaders create an environment where people bring out the best in each other. It's not just about the leader relating to each team member, but it's about the team members encouraging, supporting, and sharpening others. That's, that's a phrase that he's saying here about unity, but that goes along with what we're saying, uniting the generations. What if, what if, our team members encouraged, support, and sharpened each other because we looked at it and said, I care so much about you that I'm willing to take the time to learn who you are, the way that God has positioned you in history and what you, what you are doing. So these are my life experiences, and yours will be different. But one thing I do know is that God is the God of all generations, and he longs for us to be able to function together and to be able to move forward in unity and purpose because our world is crazy and he longs for that in us. So those are all my words. Do you have thoughts that have come up? Do you have questions? If not, I would love to just pray for you and, and believe that God will bless you in this. Um, I know it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. Like, well, okay, that's going to take a bit to digest. Um, Yes, Mark. Can you just go through quickly again the yep. age groups? Sure. 
Sure. If I can find it where I shuffled my papers to, I can. Okay, so Generation Alpha, and they say that name might change. Generation Alpha is children zero to nine. Gen Z, which is the I generation, are also called Centennials. They were born 1996 to um, uh, 2000, 2011. Yes, okay. Millennials born 1977 to 1984. Nope. 90, yes, I'm saying it wrong again. I'm so sorry, you guys. Not normally like this. Millennials born 1977 through 1995, okay. Uh, Gen X, 65 to 76. Baby boomers are uh, 1946 to 1964. Traditionalists or the silent generation born 1945 and before. You're welcome. Anybody have any other thoughts? I found it interesting that Gen Alpha is repeating the my parents and grandparents. Yeah. And I see that in my grandkids. Yeah. So that's funny. It's interesting to read what they're saying, the research, what they're saying they predict Generation Alpha to be like. Um, because like you're saying, you can see some of those traits in, in art in the kids now. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to, to continue to see how that plays out. Um, it's fascinating research out there and you guys are probably just as good as Googling so you can find it if you wanted it. Um, talking about generational cycles um, because that, I mean, just from a purely secular standpoint, it's very interesting to read. But then when you add for like in our context of church and how people function like that, um, start adding in the spiritual components of that and how, you know, what one generation did in excess, the other one kind of doesn't do. Um, there are a lot of books that are starting to come out now about Gen Z and youth ministry and the trends and the way that we reach Gen Z in youth ministry. Um, and I find that interesting as a person that functions in kids ministry because I look at it and I'm like, yeah, they did that when they were when they were six in kids' church, so now it's just like amplified for them. Um, and so um, it'll be interesting. And then obviously there'll, there'll be components that will be um, intriguing to find out what happens post-pandemic in our children and, and the patterns that, that it creates as well. Megan, did you say what each generation makes them feel valuable? Did you kind of... Yes. Like, for instance, like a millennial, mm -hmm. having them on, on your team, what's going to make them tick the most? So, an opportunity, is there something they look for? So what, and the way I know it is through, through the studies they have about work. So working millennials, what they want at work is respect my skills, respect what I'm good at. So Gen X is respect my ideas. And baby boomers respect my title. So 
Um, so information, boomers, print me a copy. X, send me a copy. Millennials, I'll figure it out. I'll Google it myself. I don't need you. Right? Um, attitude towards work, baby boomers, I'm loyal to my job. Gen X, I, I work to live. And millennials, play then work, I want balance. I want, I want there to be something outside of that. And obviously right now, they, they don't, there's, there's, that's a little bit harder of a concept to find right now because like I said, millennials are the highest percentage in the workforce right now. And so uh, the Gen Zs, they're starting to be like 21, 22. So they're starting to enter into the workforce, but it's kind of hard when, you know, like Gen Z is working at McDonald's, like to know what a pattern of work looks like well, right I know now. For my secular job, um, we've had this conversation about the millennials because we can't, we, it, it's unheard of to have people retire from our agency. I'm like, being a Gen Xer, I'm one of the last ones. And they're like, why can't we keep these people? And I said, you're dealing with people that they don't plan on staying here. They don't want to you Right. Have to, you have to make them want to stay here. You have to show them why they should stay. And so that, do you provide them consistent, different opportunities? Is that what we well, have to that's, do? Well, that's that's the voice I'm trying to speak of. But we have a very, it's a very highly stressful job. Nobody wants it. When COVID went into over here, I mean, it's the welfare department. We were the step between uh, the poorhouse and unemployment finally kicking in. So um, they didn't want to stay. <laughs> They're like. I mean, they, part of them are now because they realize they had nothing else. So I'm hoping that COVID will help us keep some people. But typically, we are really good employees. They're gone in two or three years because they're moving on to greener pastures. I remember a girl in training. She was three weeks into training. It's a 12-week training program. And she said, how long before I can become a supervisor? I said, why don't we focus on learning this job first before we jump to the next one? And I remember coming home and telling my husband, Wow, I just don't know this generation anymore. I got to do some <laughs> investigating. It's just different. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was just I didn't know what I didn't know. So areas of focus, boomers focus on the process. Gen X focuses on the results. And millennials focus on involvement. And so, you know, there's often one of the reasons I think that from what I read that millennials got flack when they first started is everyone just wants social justice. Everyone just wants to be, but it's that longing to be involved with moving something forward. Um, and so, how, you know, what does that look like in ministry to, to people in churches and individuals? As a ministry team, that looks like I've got to tell them a purpose and continuously give them opportunity to be able to do more and have more capacity and find value in that, um, you know, and it looks like, what are your ideas? How can you be involved in making these things happen? Where uh, statistically, this is the case, but even my own experience, my boomers that are on my team, they're like, what do you want me to do? Right. Tell me what it is. Okay, I did it. What's the next thing? Tell me what it is you want me where, you know, the, the, the millennial or even the, my teenage ones, they're like, okay, I did this thing, and then I went and did this thing, and then I went and did this thing. And I'm like, those three things, like, were your own initiative. You made them up in your mind. Like, okay, like, paint that wall, right? And they're like, well, we thought this pattern would look cool. So that's a facetious example, but, um, but that's kind of what happens. Like, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had one of my... my uh, she's an eighth grader teaching in our preschool class and we use the life church Bible kids curriculum. Anyway, she said, you know what I decided? What? I decided we we're going to take the prop box and we're going to put it in the back of the room. 
Why? Well, because they like to turn around in their chairs, so I just figured I'd put it in the back of the room. Okay, like they'll just turn around the opposite direction again. Like that's my mind, right? Like they're just gonna keep turning around. But you know what? That worked for her that Sunday because all the kids were like, what are we doing? It's something new, right? And so she experienced success and I was like, okay, good idea. Maybe next time think about what's, what's it gonna be like for the next week, because you're not teaching next week. So now next week, the teacher's gonna put the prop box back where the prop box goes. And the kids are gonna be like, why is it there? You know, like, I'm like you gotta think about the bigger picture. But you know, she owned that idea. She thought it was the best thing ever. And I just kind of, as a, as a person that was trying to empower them, like, all right, that's what you did, you know? Like, um, so it's those kinds of conversations and, and even being able to, Easter is another case in point. One of my older people is serving with a millennial and a teenager in, on Easter in our first service. And she said to me, just this past week, she stopped by the church, right? Because it's the age generation, just rolls up into the office. I was thinking about making some kind of treat. And I said, well, we're very careful about treats now in kids ministry because of food allergies. We have a lot of food allergies in our church and things like that. I said, I just need to know what you're going to make because I'll at least put an alert sign up. I'll put it on there, you know, check in. She's like, well, why? I said, because there's kids. Oh, okay, but I'm going to make them cookies. I'm like, okay, so we'll make, you know. And the millennial leader in there, I told them, I'm like, she's making cookies. And she's like, well, where are we going to do that? Because we have things we got to do on Easter and we got to, you know. And the teenager one, I'm like, we're not even going to tell her until time because they'll be like, cookies, you know. I'm like, so that's like another case in point, right? So all these, they're all doing what they're, the way that God has positioned them and all those things, but just getting all of them together on the same page. I'm like, at the end of the day, none of those things are bad. It's just a matter of communication. It's a matter of looking at being able to say, all right, because of this, because of that, we're going to do this, you know. Um, so I'm sure that you all have stories. You maybe just don't even, now that you start thinking like this, you'll start to, you'll start to see it. You'll start to identify, oh, that makes sense why that happened. And therefore being able to unite the people uh, that you serve with. And just even in your own life, being able to look at it and go, oh, this is starting to make sense. Things are starting to click now. Um, we won't all have arrived ever really, but um, it's constantly a process. And I would have never learned about any of this had the demand not been there. And so there will be things that you'll discover about this process as well when the demand is there and when you need it. So can I pray for you? God, we, we just really want to serve people and we want to serve your kids well. So I pray that you would help each one in this room to be able to identify through your Holy Spirit the things that they need to be able to do. Pray that you would give them even just the one or two people that they need to connect with even in the next couple weeks. And then after that, give them the next set of people to connect with and just help them to be able to build the bridges that will allow um, unity to flow through them, that they will do way more than tolerating, but they will be a unified, unified front so that the world will know and see that it is you that has sent us and that you are in us, just like it says in your word. So I just pray blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.